0: Weird Things is brought to you by Patreon.com slash WeirdThings. Support the show.
1: Hello and welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Intermean, joined by Justin Robert Young. Hello, Mr Brian Brushwood. Oh, it's a growl off, I see. Oh, Mr. Bryce Castillo.
2: Hello. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. Wow. That's, <laughs> I, I don't like that at all. <laughs> Hello, that's, a, that's a growl off, not a burp off. Yeah.
3: That was. We <laughs> might have to. <laughs> wrap, print,
2: ship. We got that. <laughs> Hello, everybody duck everybody duck ah! uh
1: yeah so uh exciting day for people on board the international space station uh they got a little alert like hey guys um there's a uh, might be some space junk coming towards you um so uh basically what happened is they had to have the crew go into like the different uh space capsules the crew dragon and this the russian capsule because of the risk of this now this is what's crazy is we don't know we don't know if it's because the soviets did an anti-satellite test and blew up a satellite shortly before
0: Wait, whoa, but there's whoa, whoa, whoa. Also- the, the who the who uh,
1: the Russians, soviets sorry they <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't get that? you didn't get the memo? They're back. Um, I mean, I mean,
0: uh, they
3: time traveled from the past. Yeah, I I I
0: I I, so, I, I, I didn't know if, if this was an old thing or or or, or I, I I wanted to get all right. So the Russians, the Russians blew up an anti satellite.
3: Yeah, I so all,
1: I will explain why I'm an idiot whenever I say that because so much of the te- so many of the rockets and stuff they did were all like
0: Soviet rockets, Soviet
1: era rockets and yeah. stuff because it's like it's like oh the Russian space watch, which was really the Soviet... But anyhow, but yes, the Russians. Um, the Russians had did an anti-satellite test and blew up a satellite to test. Yes, it blew up, but they don't know if it was that debris or the debris from when the Chinese did a test a year ago, so right now, there's this confusion. They're like, oh, no, it's 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 the Russian satellite. No, no, it's the Chinese. So, Eric Berger, who's uh, covering this for Ars Technica, he's a great resource, um, which is updated, so let's check the updated. Um, If you want to do that, Bryce, we'll see which which is it
2: Uh, during a daily briefing on the U.S. State Department spokesperson, Ned Price, said the test had created more than 1500 pieces of trackable debris and hundreds of thousands of pieces of untrackable debris. Quote, the Russian Federation recklessly conducted a destructive satellite test of a direct ascent anti-satellite missile against one of its own satellites.
1: It's like they don't like the sp- station. It's like they're—it's uh, <laughs> they're, a timeshare yeah. they really want to get out of, yeah. and so they've tried to like spin it with
3: their thrusters, and now they're trying to destroy it. They're trying to to break their lease with space <laughs> <laughs> by playing loud music at all hours. Uh, that that might be worth discussing. Um, I I know of very few. Projects to clean up uh, the space lanes. Um, And in fact, I I reluctantly admit that the only good idea that I still hold on to was from uh, one of the last uh, uh, issues of 321 Contact magazine, where they talked about sending up a rocket and having it explode into just, you know, a couple of miles wide foam ball that would basically, anything pegging it would slow down enough that it would fall out of the sky, I I don't think I've heard any better ideas since then to
0: eliminate space junk. Yeah, or at least yeah. to,
3: to clear some lanes. Yeah, to, to clear places that 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 we want there, to go. There's actually
1: uh, a couple startups. Um, there's uh, was Clear Space One. Uh, if you go to clearspace.today, dot today, which is they they have like a crazy sort of uh, you know, like literally like, grabbers and stuff. They want to do this. There's the idea of using like you I mean, like like a smaller sort of thing, like air gels. So it is actually an active Astroscale is another group that's looking into doing this. Um, so that is becoming, you know, the problem is is like who has to pay for it. But right. as we see today, like uh, you know, the fact that the International Space Station had to take these, you know, maneuvers. Yeah. And I could see, I could see like, hey, listen, uh, if you go do an anti-satellite test up there and you explode it and we go clean it up,
3: we're going to send you a bill. You know what? It almost makes me wonder, and uh, this, this almost certainly would end up being the subject of interminable uh, uh, multinational arguments in order to get there. But there's part of me that loves the idea of, man, it's space. Just go up there, clean out a lane, charge rent. Just say, uh, not quite a protection racket, but just a, hey, um, you guys fly wherever you want to fly. Yeah. We personally guarantee that there ain't going to be no garbage.
0: We in, are we are clearing quarters. we are clearing the way in this lane.
3: Right. Correct. And if you plan to occupy that lane, we will send you a bill, or maybe we'll uh, uh, clean up other garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's a real nice station you got there. It'd be a real shame. <laughs>
0: uh uh i i do wonder whether or not there is some kind of uh agreement in the in in the offing to say like all right well who's responsible is it who's putting the bill on on cleaning this place
1: so the problem is you take uh you take china or russia and you would say that they they have they do they have launch industries, but they're, you know, in both cases, their military sort of drives things. And if the yeah. military is like, well, it's more important that we have this defensive capabilities, we don't really care about the launch thing It's like, and I don't know what it is now, but like a few years ago, in recent history, the total combined launch industry in the world was like $5 billion. That was how much money that launch providers made every year from like doing like commercial launches, yeah. which seems a lot, but it's kind of not a lot. And so for militaries to be like, uh, like we have this give an example, kind of the tragedy of the commons, like in Florida, where we have big sugar, which the sugar industry and we have the cane fields, and then they use these fertilizers that they get drained out and they go through the they go through the canals, they go out into the the waterways, they create these algae booms, which kills off fish. Commercial fishing is a much bigger industry, brings in actually more money than sugar does. Yeah, but the politics of it is is you're left with algae blooms and this because we you know term, we're you know very familiar with the tragedy of the commons. And so here, if the military is like, we don't care. Our job is to build these satellite weapons and technology. So,
0: so we don't, and and not even to the point of carving out an element of our budget to to clear up the the, the spaceways. Not our job.
1: Our job is to shoot things down, whatever. Russians can't afford it. Uh, the Chinese, once they get more assets up there, it might become more critical for them.
3: You know what you could do, uh, and this is this is blue sky projections. Um, what if what if you essentially create a space lane, and you occupy every hour of space behind it, so such that um, that anybody who tried to 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 to, to Carve their way into your traffic is very likely going to be hit by one of your dummy satellites. And then meanwhile, you have the codes to move the dummy satellites out of the way or whatever. You've got, you've got a posse. Yeah, basically. So, so imagine like right now uh, we would send up one craft that would follow one lane. Imagine if you just fully occupied that lane and granted only one of the craft is doing anything. The rest are like unoccupied units or, dummy things we, to where it would be difficult I
0: guess yeah the the, the question would you're, be that it'd be have to be so cheap to get something up there that you would be willing to get something up there that wouldn't be doing nothing
1: yeah right? the, the problem isn't like one satellite question into another one because your chances of that happening are like infinitesimally small it's a debris field spreading in hundreds of kilometers of little paint chips and things like that that's the real problem because then you have it and it's not in a stable orbit it changes over time and so what happened with the international space station which changed the orbit from time to time is this elliptical orbit or in this case it may be the debris that was just created you know like you know or like twice per you know once every year or so we have to change orbits because if something comes in the way and drifts in so you just having something ahead of it's not going to help the problem when it's a much bigger field and things are moving so fast
3: by the time this thing moves there and it's hard to predict it yeah uh, i i guess what i'm what i'm speculating is if it would be possible for any either state actor or private industry to claim essentially a a space lane a full space lane well we
1: do we do when you when you go when you want to like for spacex to launch its satellites it had to get permission from like the faa and to say this is the orbital path we're going to do and once you establish an orbital path but that doesn't help you if the russians or the chinese blow up yeah. a satellite and it just sends fragments all across there and that's and that's this is forcing us today it's going to bring that up to say hey cool no we have these lanes you're not supposed to go in there and your stuff came across there and they're like what yeah. are you going to do bro what are you going to yeah. do
0: no or whatever that is in russian
1: yeah Bro-ski. <laughs> But it could be it could be getting the major space partners. I think we're probably very close to the major space partners coming together and saying, "Okay, like one, we need to fund a cleanup cleanup efforts." Maybe, and I think would be a great it would be a great thing we did with like the the NASA program where we said we'll we'll just contract somebody else to do it. The problem is is that these other the ESA, the Russians, and the China they're not so fully into let private just pay private enterprise to do it. They still want to like. No, we'll build the solution well and even nasa stills like no we we problem with you know SpaceX is we don't own it we should design it on it it's like well so then it, it would
0: eventually be you know the the, the solution will be for janky state crafted things that will not work well together trying to do something
1: but if you if you said hey we're gonna do a thing where every launch everything that goes above you know uh, everything everything goes into orbit you pay a tax and this thing paying to a fund and this fund goes to pay for Clean up. cleanup and we're, and we're going to hire, we're going to contract out for cleanups. That be yeah. Maybe. That would be ideal, but who knows? Right? Uh, and I'm sure there are conferences and stuff where like tons of people propose like every scenario I could imagine here, every situation that could tell, Well, here's a problem with this, but
0: well, that's I mean that that is the big question because uh, when you're talking about that kind of money,
1: that's a lot of scratch.
0: Like like you are you are talking about big 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 cash if you would be able to be a vendor
1: to clean up space debris. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the – because right now, it's like a risk thing. You can say, okay, as the cost of launch goes down, you're like, which is cheaper? Putting satellites up if you know, okay, this – it used to be, ah, oh, it costs so much to put them up there. But if we get – if Starship starts flying next year, which it may happen, even with Falcon 9, it's so much cheaper to put stuff up there that you might be like, eh, if it gets destroyed, I have a backup. We put something else up there instead of paying, you know, $500 billion a year to clean it up. Yeah.
3: Uh, and I, I suppose it is worth noting that uh, uh, the vast majority of debris will probably not be in a perfect orbit, it's a lot of it's going to fall and, and kind of clean some of itself up.
1: Yeah, we still got Apollo stuff up there. I mean, we've got stuff can be in crazy orbits, it can stay up there a considerable long time. And so, uh, you know, hundreds of years. Yeah. Well,
0: you want to know what also stays up for a really long time? My excitement when people head on over to patreon.com slash weird things. Why is that, Justin? Because my cheer knows no bounds, knowing that you, the listeners to this program, understand that the only way that this keeps on rolling is if you head on over to patreon.com slash
3: weird things and support us with your money. Yeah, but I've heard that Patreon doesn't really give any money to anyone. Uh, Shut up, is
0: what I would say to you, because that's wrong, and we don't tolerate that kind of nonsense on this program. No, it indeed gives us money. Uh, 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 Don't believe me? I
3: have money. Well, I just, read, on. I just read Atlas Shrugged, and I don't do anything that doesn't benefit me personally. Uh, well, it does benefit you personally.
0: What? The ding dong. Oh. Because you can get uh, 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 early access to the After Things podcast, which talks about our lives as entrepreneurs and answers
3: your questions in a way that will make your life better. Right on. Hey, what about lasers? If we know where this stuff is, could we <laughs> microwave laser them and, and just sort of knock them about? that's actually one of the plans was to put a laser on the
1: iss to do that um which and and that might help with (laughs) i love that
3: that that was a perfectly reasonable thing to say but then i just heard it from the outside
1: i know why would they watch the same shows we do brian i know i I know know. it's it's amazing (laughs) it's not like one day at nasa some guy goes hey guys have you heard about this thing called lasers? (laughs) (laughs) Let me look this up. Holy cow. Like, yeah, that's, that's the idea, you know, put a laser on the ISS and Brian, as you described, because it has rocket engines, it's already basically a spaceship spaceship with lasers. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Checks out. Maybe, uh, maybe, and, and, and I'm, I'm saying this, it's going to sound like I'm making a joke. I'm, I'm actually not, but like quite literally a BB gun, like, like uh, a highly targeted BB gun, just, just to, you knock it, knock it down, knock it okay. down.
1: I will one up your BB gun and say, what if it was like frozen, or like nitrogen pellets or something that would then not turn into more debris to cause a problem. Yeah. Cause also your BB gun, your BB gun is going to go around the earth and come back and hit you. No,
3: but, 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 but in my case, my BBs are made from those silver candy BBs that they put on cakes. Uh, yeah. so, so they, they chip across and then they're, Delicious. Well, yeah, we
1: can, but you can make it like if you use like like I said like some frozen like CO two or yeah. something like that that'll sublimate.
3: Yeah, uh,
0: the goal ice. is just to knock it into a trajectory that will burn up in the atmosphere, right? Yes. Yeah,
3: or or yeah. knock it out of orbit, or, or yeah. just, just well, get, get it out all, of the lane.
1: That's going to be really powerful, Brian. Yeah, it will.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. As soon, I'm, I'm as, sorry. I, as soon as I'm completed <laughs> with my mission. <laughs>
3: This fully armed and operational space junk BB
1: by My ice pellet uh fire weapon. Well, speaking of yeeting things, um we had our first te- test of the Wily Coyote uh aerospace company, aka Spin Launch.
3: Uh, uh Spin Launch? Remind me of this what? one. <laughs>
1: uh, Alright. Let's say Different ways to get things into space, right? Rocket engines. Yep. There's the whole. There's a whole other thing of uh, electrical propulsion through, like you know, super light balloons. there's another thing that's a crazier thing: flying no, an airplane
3: really, really high and then just, just uh, you know, use a model rocket to shoot off of that,
1: uh, as we like to call Virgin. Galactic, aerospace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but there is the other one was the idea if you have a centrifuge, spin something, build up to such a really high speed. Then let it go. It won't go orbital, but it will get you past the first. So they built a thing that's as tall as the the statue part of the Statue of Liberty. Oh, this is so great! It looks like describe what you're seeing. All right, describe what you're
0: seeing. This looks like a gigantic, like almost like like imagine a snail, right? But like the 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 the, uh, horizontal part of the snail that comes out of the shell. You're tilting that ninety degrees upward, so so it is a big uh, uh, a big snail shell. It looks like a the whistle snail itself is is shooting is is pointed northward, and it is, I guess, just building up enough pressure
3: that I, it, it is it's, yeeting it's, it's a, this some bitch as high as it can. <laughs> it's a literal David versus Goliath. You're just gonna like, uh, hey man, why are we gonna waste all the chemicals to get you know from zero to real fast? Let me just whip this all up it's a centrifuge turned on its side it's got this
1: projectile which is attached to the end of this armature it whips it up to like an incredible velocity and it's in a vacuum chamber too so that's why there's this this seal on top there's in a vacuum chamber and then the thing just rips through this you see it smash through this diaphragm and then like go up what i noticed here was which was kind of curious is like we saw the video of it going up but there was a lot of other data and i'm like they're like cars parked near their yeah and right, like, <laughs> and it has to get the timing just right because when it lets go from there, like I, I'm not gonna tell anybody, hey, don't go pursue your crazy vision. I I am because you're still gonna need you. Their plan is this: their plan is they're gonna build these. There'll be multiple stages. It'll be a first. It the idea is that use this spin to get you for the first pass, so you need less fuel, and you only need let's say you know. Uh, one rocket engine to go into orbit, they're going to build their own satellites because these things have to be pretty powerful, like pretty resistant to like G-forces, although they say say an iPhone could survive the forces they're going to do. So they want to be kind of an end-to-end thing for putting things up. And You could never do a person there because you ended up as like, you know, jelly. But for hardware, you could do this. Uh this is a they have a design we're looking at a proposed you know or coastal launch site, which is one at an angle, and it's about to whisk this thing around
3: and then I mean people thi- are asked this is pretty close to uh uh the system in highlands. The moon is a harsh mistress where they're doing mining, and then they just they have their mined minerals and then they just chuck them down to earth, and then yeah. one day they yeah. decide to go rogue, and they're all like. Well, what if we just chucked all of it indiscriminately at Earth, and then Earth was yeah. like, "Okay, you're free." Yeah,
1: yeah, that was. I think they were using like a mass driver with like a rail gun or something. And here, which the moon might work, and this would work on the moon in in theory because it's this would be great when we're on the moon and we need to get stuff off there. This sounds really cool, but on Earth, people are like, well, you know, we you know with reusable rockets, the cost. This is a thing that probably made a lot of sense 15 years ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah, before before usability became a, a realistic thing. So so where is this thing landing?
1: Well, you know, wherever you
0: know, Walmart parking lot. <laughs> like, because again, a, it, it's not piloted or anything. I don't know how much uh, uh, control they have once they throw this some
2: bitch into the when, air.
3: I mean, I assume just as much as when, any guided missile.
2: But it's like a trebuchet, right? It's aimed in one direction. All you can control is the well, speed. Um, well,
3: yeah, but then but then the, the engine kicks in, and then it keeps on going. It takes that momentum and builds on it. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, but, yeah. but, but I don't know if that's the version that they have now. Now they're just chucking stuff, right?
3: Well, well but you got to yeah, start somewhere, Justin. Yeah, that's how testing, testing works. works. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know. I know. I know. I just
0: want to know where it's landing. Were, that's what I'm saying. During these tests, you were, <laughs> Like, do we have any idea where this thing is oh, going to land? They're in a test, right?
1: Ran- uh, you— don't you remember the famous Apollo catapult? Don't you remember? Yeah, right. Was, you know, the, the, you know, uh, the we I, hired like some Romans to build that and test, uh, the early, right.
3: Yeah. I also okay. like that. Uh, this is shockingly close to, uh, Jules Verne's, uh, from the earth to the moon, just put them in a big old <laughs> gun and just fire them off. So one of the things that spin launch
1: had talked about too, if I remember correctly is way back as we covered them before. Was the idea of using this for like drilling or whatever else too? Because like they, what they have here too is kind of a really interesting weapon system.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, to Brian's point, like uh, if you're talking about uh, a you know missile launch, uh, that would certainly be if, if it were a guided missile to throw it in, into near orbit. Like that, that gives you a lot of opportunities to hit things.
1: Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, what did they do? Because like. Do you just sort of see like, yeah, the system launched, I don't think gave us like an altitude, uh, oh. the alternative rocket reached tens of thousands of feet.
3: Mm. So commercial airline space. Yeah. Man, Not bad. I probably, 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 you probably could have just strapped it to a plane (laughs) and flown a plane up there. Maybe if they could fly this thing up on a plane. So you fly a plane up with one of these, then it starts whipping it up and then it throws it up. Then you kick on the model rocket engine. Let's, well, let's embrace this idea for a moment.
1: Yeah. So you're going to need, you need, you're going to need a a motor stage. You're still going to need a motor stage, but maybe you need one motor stage in theory, less fuel. So it's cheaper, smaller, um, you could the thing that's cool about this is rapidly like the idea that once that thing's left the system you can pop another system something else in there and keep popping it uh you know and again has pointed out the chat room like yeah this is just the prototype the bigger ones the full size ones going to be like three times the size of this but you could you could send if you wanted to send cube up like you could send them up like every 5 minutes yeah you know so if you have a space system i mean a, 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 an aircraft launch system if you're getting rid of those lower stages and the cost, if you want to launch smaller satellites, there's still a marginal cost, which is even like with Falcon 9, it's still going to be $50 million, unless you're part of somebody else's payload. Starship, theoretically, there's going to be limited capacity to what Starship could do, and you're going to be more constrained about availability than the actual cost itself. So, you know, so, yeah, it's potential. I, I,
0: I think it is an interesting idea that the question that that I, I think is is most prescient going forward to your point, Andrew, is exactly how much does the money saved on the fuel matter in a world of reusable rockets,
3: With, uh, it- uh, environmental concerns as well. Like when this thing could be theoretically solar or fusion powered or whatever, and it's like you're not burning any hydrocarbons at all. And and you know maybe, if not to space, take something like Project Loon or whatever. Like you chuck it up high enough, inflates, yeah, and uh, uh, drifts around, carries internet in a giant mesh network or something. That's an interesting idea.
2: And I, you know, something you mentioned earlier, Andrew, about this as a, as possibly a unique launch vehicle for, for say weaponry, like that that could propel the, the 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 advancement of tech for for something like this if you know if they are really able to send like a missile with 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 less or or later propulsion that make it a little harder to detect for for at least a little bit
1: oh yeah that's a good point like so because there's no rocket plume um, oh, for stealth so yeah. you but the thing is you know where these systems are though So here's the description, the velocity boost provided by the accelerator's electric drive results in a 4x reduction in the fuel required to reach orbit and a 10x reduction in cost, that's a hard thing to quantify, and the ability to launch multiple times per day. They expect the first customer launches in 2024. So if you take a look at like, let's say, SpaceX with Starlink has this big, huge lead over everybody else. You know, Elon Musk realized, hey, we've got all this capacity for Falcon 9 rockets. And people are like, what are you going to use that capacity for? There's not much market. He's like, well, we'll just build our own satellite system and do internet. How about that? And people are like, oh. And then so now you have OneWeb and you have Kuiper, which is Amazon's project, which they're like, "Um, we need rides into space Uh because we got to put up a gazillion satellites. And so and that's not going to be like you just put up you know three thousand satellites, you're done. You're going to constantly have to maintain this. And so, if I could see for, I think there is a, I think that there could be if they can get that upper stage cheap enough. You know, even if you're saying like, well, it's five million dollars for an upper stage, and you know, sorry, you never get that money back. It's not reusable. The cost of these satellites is much, much more, and that cadence. And if you're like, no, we need to get one hundred of these up right now in the next six months yeah um i was really kind of like skeptical, but now i'm like yeah they've they've simplified things tremendously because they don't have to have a first stage and first stage are complex and
0: well i feel like we came around on spin tech
1: or spin launch up up i i think they're smart i and i think that you know in my head i'm in this well when we have starship and fully reusable and stuff it's like well, yes, I have Uber and I have DoorDash, but they, sometimes I need Amazon fresh yeah, or a grocery store. And look, they got an American flag on there too. Uh, if you look at the design of the rocket too, it looks like the whole thing's just made entirely out of carbon fiber. Cause if this thing like rips apart <laughs> and I like this, nobody, the control system, it's just completely automated. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, I wonder if there's applications for like an anti-missile defense system or something, because, um, you know, right now, you know, let's say there's an incoming missile, you press button, you launch one. If, if you could have pre spun up several of these, uh, on a defense perimeter. So it's like you, you essentially go from zero to really fast instantly because you're already going really fast in the tube. Yeah. Um, uh, that's, that's probably microseconds that don't even matter, but I don't know. Uh, I, I, I like that people are trying crazy stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm
1: I'm, intrigued. I would say when they first launched, I was sort of like a little bit, uh, they actually on their webpage, you can see the comparison of their uh, Orbital Accelerator, how it's taller than the Statue of Liberty. Um, I love that metric. They, I remember they talked about using these things for like drilling. And that was, they, mm. they did this weird sort of like, I think, financial offering. And they thought, oh, you can use it for drilling and all these other stuff. And I'm like, pick a thing pick one, just pick one thing you want to do. Yeah. And so it looks like they did.
0: That sounds like, uh, sounds like they just needed money in the tent so they could move in, yeah. m- move in a direction.
3: Uh, I've, uh. I've mentioned it before and I've been corrected on, on, you know, even I, I believe the author knows how improbable it is, but one of the neatest ideas in uh Seven eves by Neil Stevenson was the idea of, of these bolos that were satellites that, um, you know, had, a Uh, two heavy ends and they would rotate end over end in orbit around the planet. So when one end dipped down, it would dip down actually temporarily into the atmosphere. So hypothetically you could fly up high enough that if you timed it just right, you could just like thing dips down, you swoop on in, you lay down and get ready for six G's and then it tumbles on up. And then now, now you're up in space. Um, not that that in particular will work because that's made a book, but, uh, but, but man, some kind of combination of all these crazy ideas coming together for a very low impact, very energy efficient way to get, you know, cargo. Uh, yeah. And granted, you know, un insufferable G's experienced on the way. Doesn't seem completely impossible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I... I I take myself out of the running of being the arbiter of like what's too crazy or not. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 here, like it was funny because when we as we discussed like well, what could do? And then I look at their uh the the when they look at what they're looking at for and they say that like, oh well uh their use case they say, oh, for like launching like large satellites, like big you know, constellations of satellites. So it's like, oh. Okay, cool. They, that, that, that's their use cases. Like the yeah. you know, Onewebs and companies like that. they're like, "Yeah, we need to launch a gazillion of these." There was this crazy program years ago, uh, this rocket designer had tried to do, and I forget which country in Africa, um, which was to make these really stupid, dumb chemical rockets and just bundle a ton of them together. And the idea is if you just make them like just so cheap. That you just you just like if you want to make a you know a big rocket you just put like 50 of these things um let me pull up this up like uh because when the idea of like reusability was such a radical sort of idea that it's still you know when elon musk first talked about like you know that when he did his press conference speech which was like 10 years ago you know then you know they did the national press conference in
0: yeah the the press uh, uh club in dc
1: yeah it, yeah and it was uh you know you're like what? yeah and remember when you know they did the first grasshopper test and we're looking at people like oh it looks like cg it's cg spacex <laughs> is just trying to feed us this cg yeah. thing like this this is never gonna happen and then you know these people kind of kind of kind of showed up um o-trag that's what i was trying to look up o-trag o-t-r-a-g uh which was this big modular rocket concept. Um, German designers and oh, built in. Yeah, this was the pro, this kind of problem. Like they wanted to build it in Libya. It was like partnered with Libya. Because Libya is like, oh, ha. we like this idea. You're this like, I cool. wonder why. <laughs> yeah. So that it's was a controversial Libyans. sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that idea was like, yeah, let's just mass produce these really, really big, like basically just dumb boosters. And then if you want to big a bunch of stuff, just tape a bunch of them together and, and you're at the, the lower same stages. time. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, remember, oh. not exactly the most efficient system, but, no. um, so a lot of ideas. That was a
3: little bit too crazy for me. <laughs> so
1: gentlemen, what do you picks?
3: Sure. Uh, yeah, dude, my pick is I want to pick your brain on whether or not, uh, I, 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 I know very, very little about this, but, but I just read a headline that I, I was like, Ooh, I want to, talk with andrew about this um about whether or not uh jeff bezos in a vendetta against elon musk is going to make sure rivian is a bigger success than tesla because like if he can't win the space race he might as well win the electric car race i mean good
1: luck to him if it's just (laughs) as easy as willpower then cool well that Uh, that and
3: money i mean you know he's uh, a targeted strike
1: yeah but i mean. There's, I'm excited by the idea of Rivian being successful. Rivian that they just had their IPO, they're were valued bigger than like every other car company except for Tesla, whatever. Because a lot of excitement there. They've got, you know, they've got, they're going to be selling a ton of vehicles to Amazon. The challenge that they face is, it's very easy, but it actually is. It's pretty easy to build a few cars to to build a few examples. To then build a factory and a pipeline and to deliver these things reliably, particularly when you're dealing with electric cars, and the components are very different, your supply chains are crazy. The product is 10 percent of it, the manufacturing supply chain is 90 percent of it. Yeah. And that's going to be a big, big, big challenge, but the people at Rivian are super capable, but you know, Bezos threw all the money in the world at Blue Origin, and where their production vehicles, right? Where the rocket engines they were supposed
3: to supply, yeah. So I mean, hey, man, they they took Kirk to space. It's a fact. Well, I mean, I, I think yeah, it, but- it's 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 fascinating
0: to uh, I think Rivian has a better chance at success because it's coming after Tesla, and at least you have seen the, an, uh, an example of uh, an American car company being launched and and you see the lessons that that they had to learn so theoretically you will have to learn less of them yourselves the hard way but uh i i think the fact that tesla was the first successful american car company in a very 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 long time is a cautionary tale to understand exactly how how difficult it is although i think more and better uh, you know uh, competition in the ev market is great it's great for everybody
1: i think i think they and they're co- right now they're going after like trucks and stuff i think that's a smart thing to not try to be go head to head let's say we're going to go after this market for it we think there's a value there i think that's really sharp uh but i think the trucks look good i look at these i think they look really good yeah you know but uh you know when i sit in my tesla you know the thing that i love is I love the autopilot. I love all those other little things. And so the AI systems or the, the ML in there is, is really significant. Um, we'll see. Uh, what
0: is the battery tech advantage for Tesla? Like, like, it seems like they get more out of their batteries than than other EVs.
1: Well, Lucid, which is launched, there has their first production vehicles. They actually, their sedans get way, have more, mi- they get more miles. They get more mileage, than- okay. Yeah, but we but it's I think it's just bigger battery packs. I think okay. it's just they put a bigger battery pack in there. Tesla and the thing too about Tesla which is the, the thing that should be disconcerting to these other car manufacturers starting it, Tesla's profit margins per vehicle are insane. They're like Apple like and they They were criticized like, oh, they're not making money. Like, well, because they're building factories, and that's they're building, they're buying zillion-dollar machinery to build stuff, but actually the cost per vehicle kept going down and down. And Tesla has a lot of elasticity in there. And like the Cybertruck is this crazy, weird, cool, crazy thing. But I think a lot of people, like in Brian, I think you point out somebody gonna want to use this on a job site. It's very easy for them to change like oh you want you want something that's like a space a futuristic f-150 yeah we'll do that we can do that too so yeah uh
3: well if we're looking for a content thing uh justin finally got me to start watching succession so i'm only four episodes in can't really talk much about it because i don't know much about it but uh i'm told to buckle up
2: how how do you feel about same how do you feel you started watching succession
1: (gasps) yeah took you three years to get us to do it. How do you <laughs> yeah. feel about that? You won.
2: Oh, action stations, Justin. Action stations.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I'm excited for you guys to get to the end. There, there, um, there, there, are, there are a few moments that I loved in season one, uh, specifically because they directly kind of, I think the, the show has a very uh, a keen sense of why that world is fascinating. The, they, they are never far away from showing you some element that seems beyond like, and, and uh, the conversations that are being had are, are able to keep to me, for me at least on the right side of parody, which is part of the reason why I, I it took me a while to get into it initially, because especially with Adam McKay, whose political writing tends to be a little heavy handed uh, and is the producer on succession i was I was a little skeptical on how it would how it would do it but uh it all feels realistic it It feels like if you just knew enough rich people they would tell you stories about you know uh, a family not unlike the roys in 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 succession
1: yeah i i watch it going all right, is this the Murdochs or the Redstones when something happens? <laughs> like, like which, which Media Dynasty family is it? There's,
0: what? there's a lot, a lot of blending. And uh, 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 season two, they wind up meeting their, their their equivalent of like, if the Roys are, if Waystar Royco is effectively like a Disney meets News Corp kind of mega, mega conglomerate, or like a universal meets news corp kind of thing they they come in contact with another family that's kind of like an nbc meets pbs Mm -hmm. sort of uh uh family but it's great uh uh uh, the show's fun and i'm excited to hear you guys get further into it cool yeah i
1: think you know if you and me we just got together and we could work things out without the fed you know what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) it's Uh, great like you know straw man in there, but they're hilarious. So
0: it's yeah. The 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 characters continue to just kind of uh, uh, uh evolve in in really 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 fun ways and anything else that I would say it is uh I'm just I'm going to take away joy from you guys as you as you watch through it. So uh um evolve <laughs> uh speaking of F-words I've uh, uh uh continued watching the foundation I am now four episodes in on foundation how do you feel about it uh uh uh, i i don't know if i if i need psycho history to tell me (laughs) where we're going because it sure as hell is taking long enough um man look i'm still rooting for it because there there are elements to the foundation story that unlike so many other amazing sci-fi books and sci-fi stories and ideas, it hasn't really been strip mined for everything that makes it special. Like there are elements to foundation that still are really, really, really cool. That being said, you know, the stuff I remember most about the foundation books aren't even in the first book. It's in the second book. Um, the first book is something that I, I can understand when you look at it you're like, how in the hell do we adapt this for television and continue to maintain a cast and to maintain continuity? Um, there are decisions that they made, including keeping so much of the story on Trantor that I don't care about as much as I love Lee Pace and his Mega Man suit. Um, I, 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 if you're disconnected from the main story and you're not keeping me engrossed, there's so much that I'm just like, all right, well, where do we connect aside from these three actors chewing scenery at each other for, for 30 minutes, an episode. Um, I don't know. Uh, 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 to me, if you're going to do a condensed version of foundation, uh, uh, you kind of got to wrap it around Selden. I I would have liked to see maybe a little bit more of it leaning into a kind of like, like the master direction, like, like maybe getting into some of how much you have to subjugate yourself. If, if the man, if the, if you're in the presence of the prophet and you really believe in him, but, uh, uh, boy, so far I, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's thicker to get through than I wanted.
1: I I, like, I'm like, I'm okay with it being its own thing. I'm fine with that. I don't, I, I, I gave up, I gave up like episode five or six. Cause I'm like, oh, cool. The, the crying woman on the tr- space station thing, you're doing this, you're doing, we're, we're doing this cliche thing here, <laughs> we're doing this. And I just kind of, I'm like, I'm not really enjoying, I'm not having fun. And I, I'm like, I'm just going to go back and I'm going to go watch the expanse, which is what I think this wants to be without really saying that it wants to be the expanse
0: it kind of makes me wish the expanse just ripped off the cool parts (laughs) of foundation for a season or like that could be a three season arc. I mean, uh, and then also, I don't know for me, I just keep watching it because the foundation is one of the coolest villains in all of sci-fi history. And I, I don't know when they're going to bring him in, but at some point they're going to bring him in and uh, it'll be, I don't know. I'll just be upset because they won't do it. Cool. Because like, whatever, (laughs) I'm just, I'm kind of waiting. Well, there's that. Yeah. yeah they
1: kind of they kind of remember us saying they kind of deflated the impact of that by what they did the way they did the whole e pace it's like I don't it's like I'm like do you get do you get do you get what the story's about yeah it's like a watchman thing it's like except oh, they great.
0: I mean they mention him in the first in the first in the pilot in in like the first five minutes they're like naming all these names and they name the name of the yeah. villain and it's like well eventually we'll get there so yeah. be excited for that uh, uh, I don't know
2: that's a line Better. of thinking that is a little difficult to, to to match your perspective on not having read the book
0: yeah uh, all, all, uh, now you guys got me thinking about how cool it would be if The Expanse just ripped off the <laughs> foundation <laughs> if, if you just dropped Harry Selden into the world of The Expanse I'd be like
1: let's go baby <laughs> like Well, like, Expanse did a great job of, it's a huge story, but has these core characters, these core people we watched, we grow with them here, we jump forward and we're dropped into the dynamics of some group and we see, oh, there was a meeting, we mentioned the thing that, you know, are in the books and now carry on. I'm like, yeah, but I I, kind of the fun of the foundation was these nerdy dialogues of like, why? Why bother? Just do your own story then because tell me gimme into these people their story and then the flashbacks drive me nuts oh, i hate them
0: uh, and that's you know again that first book it jumps ahead like hundreds of years several times to uh, show the idea that like hey this is about the long the long game right this is this is about uh, a, 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 you know a, a world in which you're saying like all right yeah we got a few generations, and then we're going into the Dark Ages, and then, depending on what we do, it's either going to be, like, three generations or 15 generations before we return out of it, and it's like, okay, you were talking about an immense length of time uh, mm. that, I don't know, I, I, it was always going to be hard to do, uh, boy, is it soupy, but... Man, is it better than Why the Last
1: Man? So there we go. That's my review. Foundation, way better than Why the Last Man. I love the casting in Foundation. Sorry. Love the casting.
0: Yeah, great cast. I mean, look, Lee Lee Pace, the only reason why I don't hate the show, considering they spend half every episode in that palace and on those sets, is because Lee Pace and the boy and the old man actor are good. I like them. I really wish they had some connection to the plot, or they were—I uh, don't know. But uh, uh, great casting, it is. It's a well-casted show. It does. Boy, does it swing between like, oh my god, how expensive was that? And did they shoot that in a closet? Like <laughs> it is like Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow level uh, uh, <laughs> uh, green screen. Like it is. Some of it is weird. And the costuming—I'm sorry. You can't be the the the, the clones that run the galaxy and not have your, your clothes look more expensive or look as cheap as that. Like, like it feels that,
1: small. Yeah, it the, the emperor of like the known universe. It feels like just a very very small world.
0: It it, almost, it feels austere, like in a way that you know Game of Thrones. You were never when you have an establishing shot. You were never. Like confused on who had all the money and who was very very poor, right? Where in in Foundation it it has this kind of like every room is a big empty room and sometimes there's poor people and sometimes there's rich people in it. Uh, but yeah, I, I you know there there, there could I want to hear yeah. Uh,
1: yeah Brian Bryce, what do you how are, are you guys still loving it? Because I want our audience I, to I not just cheer. made it two episodes
3: on. in, and so yeah, I I, I I had the strong impression that this is going to be better as a binge. And I'm really intending to get around to binging
2: it. <laughs> yeah. Is it done I, or is it still unfurling? I don't think it's done. I think there's probably a few more episodes left. I, I fell off about a month or so ago. Um, and not even cause I disliked it. It just, a bunch of other stuff came up that I've, that I've been watching. Um, but I, I have enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it as like a big expensive science fiction TV show. Um, after just having seen Dune, which is a big, expensive science fiction movie. Yeah. Um, and and comparing and contrasting the ways that you have to tell these different stories for the media. Um, but I, I I am liking it as someone who does not um, know the books very well. And um, I definitely could feel that moment in episode four where the whole story just kind of lurches and everyone says, well, we have to be here for a little while now. Um, but... I also like the possibility, you know, owing to to what you're talking about, Justin, with with all the time skips, is that it, if they wanted to next season, couple seasons, they can just throw out the cast and get new people. They can well, just. Think, but that's, they that's... have a lot of reset buttons that they can hit in a way that was difficult for something like Game of Thrones, where like, okay, well, we're watching these kids throw grow up, and now there's we can't expand outside of that. And
0: part of the element though is like Isaac Asimov was really good short story writer because he he had this idea he had a he had a lot of ideas in his head and he was able to kind of like uh, uh write them really well so in the first book when you're skipping ahead to head to head to head to head you know uh, uh you can always create a new conflict you can make a new reason why you're coming in on the story you can make a new reason why this one key issue that there is A man who has told immutable truth that means horrifying things for the galaxy will create new and different conflicts, Um, and and here, you know, we're we're seeing very small conflicts. We're seeing things that that are not jumping all that far ahead, and everybody's just I don't know. Hmm. Uh, uh, But I'll 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 keep uh, watching it because I uh, because it's not why the last man. They have they have the, oh, no. they have all these all right so there is a <laughs> badass group of women right in the comics save, they, are, save, they are they save are they it for no after things I'm not save saving it for it after, after things. things
3: after things oh, all right, all right, whatever.
0: They wear pink for no reason. Andrew, you will you will die laughing when I tell you why they make all these badass women wear pink inexplicably. Well, don't murder we'll them live save on the
3: air. We'll save
0: it. <laughs> we'll save it for After Things, but it's one of the funniest reasons ever. Tune into
1: After Things, yeah. Andrew's last episode. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, I've got a pick. I uh, I picked this up over uh, over the uh, over the past week or so, uh, and this is just a fun little uh, a fun little indie game. It's called Unpacking. <laughs> um, and God, this is just like <laughs> I, it,
3: I I don't know like. This could hey be guys. an episode of Silicon Valley. I swear. <laughs> to
1: God. I got. I, I got a new pick, guys. It's called sock
3: drawer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's see the socks. Come is already in. going. Well, these two it? don't
3: match together. You have to watch because oh, this one. Oh no! Then a and then red your sock sits gets on mixed the dresser.
1: In. And tells you which socks are a match or not. You so know a- we're, we're,
0: we're all laughing? We're all laughing until this turns into the next like you know Plants vs Zombies yeah. that sells for like seven
1: billion dollars. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I just I just love Bryce. Just finds these the most like if I had GPT three come up with a random weird like nonsensical
2: spoon drawer.
1: Oh my god! <laughs>
2: so this is this is a game where you go through a person's life and you are unpacking their their home throughout the years. Um and it's fun. You it's it's a very light game um as there's not a lot of exposition. It's a lot of like hey, this item is still in my boxes over all the years. Um it's it's a very nice relaxing game. I would say there's a little bit of gaminess to it of like, oh, well, you can't put cups in the sink. You got to put them in the cabinet a little bit, which but there's a feature in the game where actually you can turn that off. So if you think <laughs> cups should go on the floor, cups can go on the floor. Um it's 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 nice and relaxing. Um they have a cool like gif feature, so you can pr- you can re replay like the the unpacking that you do and make it into a gif and it's sped up and it's cool. It's 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 cool and it's an it's a neat little game. So
3: seems like it's, the kind it's, of game it's, that's it's, ninety-nine cents to play by yourself or for five ninety-nine you could pay somebody else to play it for you.
1: <laughs> it's like the opposite Marie Kondo, you know. It's like yeah. The, yeah, pull it out of the box and put it up. Well, that's going to be the oh, I just spoiled the next game.
2: Oh, oh yeah. no! Unpacking two, pack it up,
1: pack it up. Uh,
2: <sighs> but uh, but yeah, that's that's a just a, a nice little game. Cool. Answer?
1: I I will mock these things forever, but I love that we live in a world where we yeah, can have, have games everybody. like this it, yeah. and, and Bryce can host a show where people watch F and marbles
2: <laughs> <Yeah. roll>
1: down. <laughs> I was describing this to somebody and then like you watch marbles roll down and they're like, looking at me like I'm insane and I had like a stroke and I'm making this thing up. Like, no, it's, a, it's a game. I got, it. I got the t-shirt too. Cause cause I, like, you know, my friend, yeah. mm-hmm. they,
2: don't mm-hmm. get it. they don't get it.
1: So prediction for the future, this times a thousand more weird.
2: Yeah. Mm. hmm Absolutely, uh,
1: so I I got to pick. I um, uh, uh, first to finish, finish Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, loved it. The last episode was a little bit, a little bit not great for me, but the, everything else was great. Star Trek Lower Decks is one of my favorite shows on TV. If you're into Star Trek, uh, it's aimed at a younger audience. But I'm going to plug this. Is going to be Star Trek Prodigy which is the new Nickelodeon show, which looks, it's absolutely gorgeous looking graphics and stuff. It's a very different premise. The idea is that these alien kids in the future in this far off part of the galaxy find the starship, the starship, and so they kind of go on adventures. They've got the hologram of, of Captain Janeway to basically guide them because she thinks they're cadets and also what's cool is the voice of the ship's computer is my friend bonnie so uh whoa she Hmm. she's doing well my other friend bonnie but yeah uh but yeah so (laughs) she's doing bonnie gordon is doing the the voice that bonnie's i know her from the magic castle she's super super talented i've been following her for years and so when i heard about she was first she first worked on the show she did like the temp temp like audio for like like the lead character and stuff and then they cast her as the robot. So Bonnie Gordon, check her out on Twitter. If you want to follow her, Bonnie Bell G. Um, she's a regular, she's a member or she works at the magic castle too. And that's where I know her from and super, super, super talented.
3: That is fantastic. Very cool. Uh, I, I, I've been cautious. I I'm gonna give it a try, but I want to hear a little bit more, uh, before, before it's... I go. It's a kids. It it is
1: a the production qualities are fantastic, but it's also you realize the CG is amazing. But you always realize like, oh, this is or this is like cable television CG, right? This which means this is
3: closer to like Star Wars Rebels or Clone Wars or something. Yeah,
1: and you're like, yeah, we're probably not going to get more than six characters on screen at a time because of the cost, you know. So like, I was watching like kind of the first like episode episode, and it's. It's fun. I mean, it's a kid show, but it's like, it looks, music is gorgeous. The ship looks amazing. Production is great. The writing is great. The voices are great. The voice talents. Great, great cast. So cool.
2: Nice. Cool.
1: Star Trek prodigy. Um, So gentlemen, it's been weird. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)